very morning of time. God created the earth and everything that's in it. And the crowning achievement of God's creation was the formation of man. Moses tells us in the book of Genesis that God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And it was there that He placed man. And He breathed into His nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And in this garden grew every tree that was pleasant to the sight. And in this garden grew every tree that was good for food. The tree of life was in this garden. The tree of knowledge of good and evil was there in the midst of this garden. And there was a river that went out of Eden to water the garden. Man was placed there in this beautiful garden to be the caretaker of God's wonderful creation. Man was given the freedom to eat the fruit of every tree of the garden with the exception of one. It was forbidden that man should eat the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. As God looked over His creation, God could not find a suitable companion, a suitable helpmeet for Adam. Well, the story of Adam and Eve is one that is familiar to any child that has ever gone to Sunday school. God caused a deep sleep to come upon Adam. And God performed the first major surgical operation then and took a rib from Adam's side. And with that rib, He fashioned Eve as a helpmate for Adam. And if you read Genesis chapter 2 and verse 25, Moses says that the man and the woman were both naked and were not ashamed. But hold on. That's going to change. You see, the Bible also tells us that the devil was a, the serpent was a crafty little devil, literally. And we have that memorable day that the servant comes to Eve and has his conversation with her. And he convinces Eve that if she eats the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, she's not going to surely die. That the reason God doesn't want her to eat the fruit of that tree is because then she would be as wise as God. That she would know good and evil. And God doesn't want Eve and Adam to become like God. Well, she saw the tree was good for food. She saw the tree was pleasing to the eyes. She saw it was a tree to be desired to make one wise. So she ate the forbidden fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and then she gave it to Adam, and he ate some also. Well, now let me tell you that eating that fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil was a revelation. It was a real revelation. Because it seems then that Adam and Eve's eyes were opened and they both realized and knew that they were naked. And they knew they had to do something about that and there was no Dillard's anywhere in Eden. 
So they took some fig leaves and they sewed garments and little aprons for themselves. You know how people sometimes take, and when a loved one dies, they press a flower or a leaf in a family Bible? Anytime I read the story of Adam and Eve, I think about little Johnny was going through the big family Bible one day and he came into his mother all excited. He said, Mama, Mama, I found Adam's underwear. So they sew fig leaves and make aprons for themselves. Well, it's at this point that God comes walking in the garden in the cool of the day. So Adam and Eve decided that they would do the only logical thing they could do, and that is they would hide from God like they were going to be able to do that. So they tried to hide from God amongst the trees of the garden. And God calls to Adam and He says, Adam, where art thou? And Adam did what any of us do anytime we get caught doing anything we're not supposed to do. He didn't answer. And yet, the answer is given in the next question that's posed by God. Because he says, Has you hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I have commanded you? You see, God called to Adam out of his hiding place. And Adam says, I was naked and afraid and I hid. And God said in Genesis 3 and verse 11, Adam, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten the fruit of the tree that I told you that you should not eat of? You see, that's how Adam knew that he was naked. God called him out of his hiding place, and Adam said, I was naked and I was afraid and I hid. You see, it's at this point, Adam plainly stated the outcome of his fall. In the presence of God, Adam had a sense of nakedness and a sense of fear. And then God takes Adam back to the cause of that sense of fear and shame. He said, Adam, who told you you were naked? Did you eat the fruit that I commanded you not to eat of? You see, their sin told the man and the woman they were naked in the presence of God. Sin is the mother of of shame. The first sin had been committed, their eyes were opened, and they tried to cover themselves. And man has been trying to cover himself ever since. You know, sometimes the most common facts are the strangest facts. To us in our world today, Nothing is more ordinary and nothing is more common and nothing is more universal to us than clothing. And yet, if you actually think about it, a suit of clothes is actually a very strange thing. 
Do you remember Jonathan Swift's chronicle of Gulliver's Travels? Gulliver spends some time in the land of the Huinims. These were an intelligent race of horses that were described in the last part of the satire. In this country of the Huinims, the horse is a ruling animal. And Gulliver actually takes a position as a manservant to a very prominent horse in the community of the Huinims. And his master is greatly interested in the habits and the ways of man, so Gulliver tells him all about it. Well, one day this prominent Huinim that Gulliver works for sees Gulliver start to remove his clothing. And of all of the things, all of the strange things that this Huinim has learned about man, this strikes him as the oddest of all. You see, time and custom and environment have taken away from us the fact of the singularity of clothing. And yet clothing is a strange fact. You see, man on one side of his nature is a creature. He is an animal, just like all the others of God's creation. And yet, of all of the animals, man is the only one that wears clothes, other than possibly some slightly pampered puppies from time to time. Now, I want you to do this. Think about this. I want you to think about what it would be like to try and explain clothing in another world. Suppose you were suddenly transferred to a world where there were neither men nor animals. And once you're in this other world, you're asked to explain to some intelligent being or some intelligent creature there the difference between men and animals in our world. Well, you might mention speech, men can speak. Or you might mention the ability to reason. Or you might mention opposable thumbs and so the ability to use tools. And yet you sum up the difference in man and other animals completely when you describe it in terms of clothing. The chief difference between men and animals is that mankind wears clothes. Now, I want to go a little further with this. How do you explain the fact that man is the only clothed animal? Well, one explanation that some folks try to use is that the wearing of clothes was due to climate. That the climate changed. Or that man migrated from a warm to a cold climate. And when that happened, when man migrated from this warm to this cold climate, man felt the need for an artificial covering. But that's not a logical, acceptable answer because animals 
migrated from warm to cold climates. And the same thing would apply to them. And let's face it, animals have a much more convenient and a much less expensive covering than you and I do. Well, another explanation is that, that clothing grew out of man's instinct for decoration. I mean, as time went on, man began to scrawl pictures on the walls of his cave. That was the beginning of interior decorating. And then man went a step further to see what it would look like to wear the skin of a beast. And some man wanted to be a little different see what it would look like if he put a feather of a bird along with that skin of the beast. And the clothing became permanent. And with the wearing of clothes, there arose a sense of modesty and a sense of shame. But the writer of Genesis, Moses goes back to the origin and the source of things. And Moses tells us that clothing did not come as a result of climate. And clothing did not come as a result of an instinct for decoration. The clothing came as a result of mankind's sense of shame. And the clothing did not produce the sense of shame. The shame and the modesty produced the clothing. And the sense of shame came from man's transgression. In this way, clothing actually marks the dawn of guilt. What needs to be emphasized is the fact that man is distinct. And man is made in the image of God. And those two facts need to be emphasized more and more today. Because we live in a world where secular humanism would replace the Ten Commandments of God with the law of the jungle. And we see evidence of this at every turn today as the courts, the lawmakers, the government seeks to silence the voice of God in our nation. And we need to once again remind people that man was made in the image of God. Man is distinct from all of God's creation. And that man is responsible to a higher law. That man is responsible to the law of God. The deepest misery that any man or any woman on the top side of God's earth today ever knew comes from leaving God out of their lives. And we have a responsibility to make our nation understand that if mankind would be happy, mankind must not live as a beast or an animal, but as a child of God. And we have to begin by reminding ourselves of that. And then we remind our neighbors of that fact too. Clothing is a proclamation 
of the fact of man's fall and man's sin. Clothing reflects the dawn of guilt. When Adam says to God, I was naked and I hid, to say that Adam and Eve knew that they were naked is to say that Adam and Eve knew that they were sinners. It's the very first example we ever have of that little voice of conscience sitting on our shoulder. They sinned. They knew they had sinned. They would transgressed the law of God. They realized their nakedness. And they tried to hide from God and they tried to cover their nakedness. It was then in the early morning of time that conscience began its work. Every suit of clothes on every mannequin, every display window in every department store is a witness to the fact of sin or to the fall of man. For all clothing goes back to that point in time. Man's a part of God's creation. Man has the appetites and desires of all the other members of the animal kingdom. But man cannot gratify the appetites of nature and think that that is the end of the matter. The sense of sin, the sense of conscience, the sense of what's right and what's wrong and what's good and what's evil, what's righteous and what's sinful, that is something that you and I have that the animal do not have. And that's why because of their sin, Adam and Eve sought to hide their nakedness. Now what we must do is realize that talking about the nakedness of man this morning, we're talking about it on a much and thinking of it on a much deeper level than just a suit of clothes or a shirt and a pair of slacks. Man has to find a clothing for his nakedness, for his sin. Scholars through the years, they've thought they had the ability to clothe man. Scholars have thought they could weave a garment of knowledge for man. And mistakenly, they thought this garment of knowledge would make mankind fit to stand before God. But wearing a garment of knowledge in the presence of God, it becomes nothing but rags at our feet. Trying to wear a garment of knowledge in the presence of God leaves man still naked. Well, forget about the scholars. The lawmakers will cover man and clothe man. The lawmakers will enact laws that will govern the course of life and that will guide man in what he must do. The lawmakers know that if man keeps the laws that are enacted, man will come to perfection. But laws don't cover the sin of man. And it falls in rags and man once again is left naked and sinful in the presence of God. But from the darkness of Calvary, 
I believe, the song said, I believe in a hill called Mount Calvary. From the darkness of Calvary comes the voice of Jesus. And that is going to provide the covering for man's nakedness. Because that's a garment whose texture and fabric have been washed and made white in the blood of the Lamb. And that's the only garment that can ever cover the nakedness of a sinner. And that's the blood of Jesus. It's by coming in contact with that cleansing blood of Jesus in the waters of baptism that man finds a clothing for the nakedness that he first realized in the presence of God when Adam and Eve sinned. Maybe you've never done that. And I'd beg you to do it before you leave this building this morning. But maybe you've done that, but you haven't lived God's kind of life. And then maybe you need to come back home. August Toplady wrote a beautiful song over a hundred years ago. Here's how the final verse of it is. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress. Helpless look to thee for grace. Vile I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. It's His invitation, what we say.